Chapter 6 of Grimm, The Story of a Pike. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Olson. Grimm, The Story of a Pike by Sven Fleuron. Translated by J. Muir. The Man Roach. Years went by and Grimm grew into a splendid fish. Her long, flat forehead was now continued straight into the duck-like beak of the upper jaw. A hollow in the middle enabled it, as it were, to project in canopies that hung down over her eyes, which thus acquired an expression even more cruel and scowling. The cheeks stood perpendicularly on each side of the forehead and enclosed the cranium as between walls. It was as though she had had a dent on both sides of her head. The back of her neck swelled up like that of a bull, for here the muscles lay over the cranium in large, thick curves, until down by the neck they gave place each to its bronchial cleft, which was as large as a barn door. And what a mouth! It opened up far past the eyes. Generally, it only stood ajar, but to look into it when it opened wide was like looking into a barrel studded with nails. In front of the lower jaw, the teeth stood thick as pins in a pincushion. They were small and pointed, and sloped backwards, so that they served as barbs. In along the sides came the long, widely separated incisors, whose purpose was to enter in and hold fast the prey. They were more than half an inch in length, rounded and blunt, and resembled the teeth of a rake. The upper jaw was provided with a far more terrible armature. Whole rows of harrow-like teeth stood out, making a diabolic grater of the palate. They continued far down the throat, and even came forward over the tongue. Woe to the body that became jammed here. It was only released as mincemeat but the throat that swallowed the victim was by far the most horrible contrivance. It resembled the drawn-up mouth of a sack. Down through it lay great rolls of swallowing muscles, studded with grasping protuberances. In the midst of them the esophagus was discernible, its aperture incessantly open and closing, with a suction that inexorably drew everything down with it and her external equipment corresponded to her internal. The wonderful dark colors of the shallows drew a broad stripe along her great back. About the forehead and along the back of the neck, the water grasses had laid a ground wash of their own deep green, and her sides were veiled by the flickering streaks of the reed beds. Patches of gold, like the sunshine falling through the glassy surface of the water, shone out between the transverse stripes of her sides, and over the bronchial arch and the belly lay the pure whiteness of the water-lily. Yes, she was adorned in all her splendor. Her scales gleamed with the rays of the sun and the moon, and when, with the rapidity of lightning, she made a dart, it seemed like the twinkling of the stars in the dark night of the deep waters. From this time onwards, 
her veracity knew no bounds the desire for food which she had possessed from her earliest days and which had lain like a germ in the very heart of her nature was given free play by means of the terrible weapons that nature had placed at her disposal no one else should now get a bite she would be alone in clearing the waters of food she now as readily seized her prey lengthwise as crosswise indeed she even preferred when hungry to make straight for the head by doing so she wasted no time in turning it but could swallow it at once by nature she was very reserved and had no desire for companionship but her mental abilities were by no means small and she was well able to make various observations and profit by their lessons nor was she deficient in memory as she distinctly showed every spring when going to spawn she always found her way up the brook to the wide fen she was very sensitive to every movement in the water and in a way heard with ease the boats the big birds they always splashed so much with their oar feet or whisked their tail round in the water she had often wondered at them she had discovered that like the grebe they carried their young on their back and like all the other fish in the lake she supposed them to be a part of the unrest up on the surface long before they came near her she was distinctly aware of their approach if she were high in the water and the bird suddenly rushed down towards her she darted to one side and hastened out of the way it was different when the boat came slowly gliding along then she only moved so as not to be run down but it was many a day before she came to understand that it was they especially who wanted to harm her one evening the old angler was rowing home late from his fishing ground the moon had risen and shed her silvery light around his oars they dipped down rhythmically and came up with the silver dripping from them suddenly he noticed that one of them struck something and the shock passed through the oar up into his arm he was dragging something heavy and could not bring the oar forward and then he pulled the head of a pike up above the water at that same moment the fish dropped and the oar was free but Grimm was wiser after that. As the years passed, she developed into a powerful ruler, and increasingly felt herself to be the divinely favored inmate of the lake. She was not one of the rabble. She hunted large and small, and lorded it over the inhabitants of the lake as far as she possibly could. By more frequent and longer expeditions, she increased her knowledge of the lake, and learned the routes to all the reefs creeks and banks and she ascertained that in certain directions her world was immense it was only the surface that she shunned and the deepest depths for there were great crayfish to whom the creator had been so good as to set their maxillary half at the end of a pair of long jointed claws and there too lived oa the dreaded fish monster. Grimm's territory lay halfway between these, 
in the pure light of early dawn when the night flies and moths drowsy and intoxicated with their nocturnal visits to the flowers fell by hundreds into the water on their way home when the swallows relieved the bats and the whirligigs in the sheltered nooks began their noiseless scurrying over the water beneath which the water plants were beginning to appear in green yellow and red rust colors when the day dawned down were grim had her home and the wide surface above her was filled with light and radiance then she hunted most keenly and felt most voracious and then there was terror in her flash and snap one morning early a breeze is ruffling the surface of the lake and winding white foamed currents are eating their way out among black shallows the terns are diving down after small fish and along the rush border banks the rising sun is treading the water grim is abroad pushing herself forward like a shadow along the bottom her cunning crocodile eyes are turned up so that they project from her head a number of roach are thronging about a clump of rushes examining leaves and stalks just as long-tailed tits search treetops and bark they are inside it and outside it sucking up the water snails and insects grim stops with a jerk she scarcely moves her ventral fins and breathes very gently at each breath she cautiously opens her mouth and draws back her tongue thus filling the spiked barrel with water then she carefully closes it again shoots her tongue forward and emits the water through her gills the little fish gamble unwittingly close to her mouth her upturned eyes look still higher and see the gleam of their white scaled bellies now she is ready to spring there is just a movement of the extreme tip of the tail only the shifting shadow lines that the reeds cast over her body indicate that she is moving forward she peers about continually peevishly and evilly only one thing troubles her she can never decide which fish out of the swarming multitude she will take true she has made a special study of the way to direct her attack as the ardent hunter his aim where the throng is the thickest but the roach are nimble and she seldom gets more than one at a stroke slowly and imperceptibly she rises while all the fin-tips wag and wave in lingering enjoyment suddenly a little scarlet roach-eye discovers her black back which up to the present had looked just like part of the bottom and they fly away from her in a panic of terror in one moment the rushy margin is empty an accident that may happen even to the best of us and grim has to move on to fresh hunting grounds among the floating forests of green feather foil go big broad-scaled bream they follow close in one another's wake and lie on the surface letting the sunlight play upon their golden scales their fat bellies with the lobster red fins and their large cod-like mouths give an impression of simpleness yet they are cunning enough and very cautious in all their behavior several of them are covered with cuts and wounds on the back and sides and it is evident they have already made acquaintance with a pike's mouth 
the body of one of them is still bloody and threads of flesh and torn scales make it look quite woolly as it moves through the water they come from deep down at the bottom and shine with mud and slime and water moss they whisk along with much movement and many strokes of the tail reeds and rushes swing and sway as they stop for a moment to rub themselves against them as they pass through the open water between the masses of vegetation where the sun suddenly shines upon their amber scales grim hastily conceals herself in the forest of weed the pliant water plants with their long stalks accommodate themselves to the current hanging westwards for an hour only to turn just as unresistingly the opposite way the next stiff collars of leaves lifelike belts hold up the naked stalks and form a close flickering thicket about the lurking lynx without the slime on her body she would never get through soon the fat bellies are before her they are slouching along in little companies with a thick greenish juicy rim to the corner of their fat mouths her purpose strengthens her powers are doubled but she is able to restrain herself the moment has not yet come not until the last water cow is straight in front of her does she reveal herself and the water flashes and bubbles as grim twists and turns in her efforts to come up with her prey the flank attack however does not come altogether as a surprise to the cow it has been prepared for it in this narrow passage and therefore kept close to the bottom as a stone bores its way into the ground so does it plunge into the mud stirring up the water and digging itself in so that grim gets only mud and grains of sand between her teeth another accident which only sharpened her appetite and made her ungovernably fierce and just then a little roach swam past grim started her embarrassment at her failure almost disappeared and she involuntarily stiffened as she stood she could see with half an eye that the little roach which was limping along without any frolicsome jumps and twists would be an easy prey what luck roach were generally lively little fish and not easily got hold of and although they formed part of her daily fare she had to use all her powers and unfold all her energy in order to catch two or three at most five a day it was only in may when they lay in bundles among the rushes amorously flickering their tails that she had her fill of them taking as many as a score in the day now only patience a little more time to wait for this time she would make sure of her fish just then there is a movement in one of the clumps of weed the dusky-hued perch with a high back forestalls her right before her nose he darts like an arrow after the fugitive but hesitates at the very moment of striking stops and sniffs oh so he daren't he wants to have the whole company with him grim's eyes were alight with the eagerness of the hunter and her stiff tongue quivers in her mouth as with widely opened jaws she springs upon her prey 
the roach is good enough it wiggles between her teeth and tickles her cheeks and chin with the slaps of its little tail and yet it has an inexplicable strength like that of a little pearly fish that she dimly remembers she grows angry is an insignificant little fish like this going to resist her will the silly little thing is ready to go any way but the one she wants it to go she can hardly get from one thicket of weeds to the other she becomes so angry that she feels the blood burning in the back of her neck and with a sudden vigorous effort she gives the roach a violent tug that helps the fish becomes manageable its strength vanishes she is triumphant yes she knew of course how it would be grim had been fortunate in her misadventure true it was a man roach that she had bitten into but she had fortunately broken the line and now went off with a long trace dragging after her she had swallowed the bait but what had made her horribly uncomfortable was that in doing so she had got a long thorny water plant fixed to her upper lip they were the barbs of the triple hook that she took for thorns at that moment she sees another little roach shining it is just as languid as the previous one and makes the same tempting impression instantly she makes a dash at it the same comedy was gone through the same incomprehensible strength in a puny roach and the same work to get the refractory fish into her power well she managed it at last at last she had her mouthful this one she swallowed too but once more she had to spit out something sharp and prickly that hung to her upper lip on the opposite side it was a long time before Grimm managed to wear away the two triple hooks from the corners of her mouth, and in the meantime she swam about with the rusty things like an extra set of monster eye-teeth sticking out of her mouth. The pieces of line that trailed behind her often caught in things and chained her in an incomprehensible manner to reeds and rushes, but at last she pulled out one, and a little later the other, and a hard, gristly leather-like skin formed where they had been she gained some experience from this incident henceforward she regarded solitary sickly-looking roach with keen suspicion she would still take with confident veracity large roach and small but she very reluctantly took a halting languid fish like those that had pricked her so horribly that morning their drooping fins and heavy wriggling flight had fixed themselves clearly in her mind's eye her peaceful youth in which she had only had the heron and the crayfish and her own kind to fight with had long since passed and henceforth she was to see more and more of the angler's implements but the old sportsman whose tackle was wearing out had to overhaul and renew his stock it irritated him beyond endurance, and for a long time he felt ashamed of himself. From the resistance it had offered, he felt quite convinced that the pike he had lost was at least worth a bronze medal. He would not tell anyone where it lay, but would take it himself when he had the opportunity. 
End of the Man Roach